All right, my friends, welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have the one and only Chris Duffin. He is the owner and founder of Kabuki Strength, and he is the author of The Eagle and the Dragon, which is a memoir on his life. It's a phenomenal book, so I highly recommend that you check that out. Let's just jump right into this conversation. Without further ado, Chris Duffin. Chris Duffin, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Looking forward to uh, some good discussions. Absolutely. So um, have you, I'm just going to start off, have you listened to or read uh, David Goggins' book? Um, I have not. I'm uh, quite aware of it and I've seen some of his pieces, uh, but uh, I have I have not. Uh, I have not done that yet. Yeah, so it's... Man, so your book is like right up there with it. And so the one of the main things that I want to talk to you about today is just uh, mindset on stuff. And it, as it translates to just about everything. So, you know, there are um, a bunch of people that are out there, and I hear this all the time, that if somebody's successful, they just say, oh, they just came from money, or they're just lucky, or whatever their excuse may be for that person being successful. And so, um, you know, your book is just really phenomenal because, you know, your, your childhood was just not your typical childhood and you're this immensely successful person in, in just a a myriad of different ways. And so I just kind of wanted to unpack that a little bit. Um, and, but the first thing I wanted to touch on is I believe it was in the book when you were eight years old when you uh, went to live with your grandparents for a little while. And that was in Idaho, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And so you mentioned there's one sentence that really got me where you said, you know, I was at my grandparents' house for a few days and I finally was able to sit and just kind of realize everything that's happened and just kind of sit with myself and start to kind of, understand my life and you know I was reading that and I was like what this guy's eight years old and he's figuring this stuff out because I didn't even have that realization till I was like in my mid-30s so like you had just a huge head start on all that so let's just uh, kind of talk about that a little bit well I, I think we all do that like continual through our life so at whatever point you're at you're always going you said hey you know I didn't do that until I was in my 30s well that, that's the state we we're always in. I'm, I'm in that state right now. Right. And, uh, uh, but you know, at that point, obviously there was a significant amount of chaos and unfortunate events, I guess, uh, up to that point and really just kind of realizing, wow, this is, this has been uh, an unusual ride. And, 
and really having time to maybe not really figure things out, but to be able to digest and relax and recover from those events. Um, so, and I think that's an important, you know, an important note there is, you know, stress is something that makes us stronger when right. we adapt to it. But if we continually beat ourselves down, we don't ever have that opportunity. And just like training, if you're in the gym six hours a day, seven days a week, you're going to quit making progress. Just like the same thing, if you've got an incredibly stressful life, career, whatever, that just never lets up, you know, uh, we've got to have those moments, you know, where that allows us to recover, to adapt, to grow stronger, to reflect. Um, so speaking about strength and, you know, mental, emotional, just not physical uh, arenas, all requires the same thing. Right. And you mentioned uh, Goggins' book, and uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll diverge for a minute because I think I think there's some things. Again, I haven't read it, but I've seen pieces of it. I've seen the message. I follow David, uh, incredible inspirational figure, but you know, not him necessarily. But there's a lot of people that really push that that grind mentality, and people right. might get that out of my book to some level. Um, but I think there's a key differentiator there. And there's a dangerous message when we promote nothing but putting the head down and grind. Right. You know, work yeah. until your bones are broken and keep working. Well, uh, I've been I've been in the physical world for a long time, and I've left so many people like, "How are you still here? How are you still relevant?" You know, I'm getting in my mid 40s, and I'm still you know, one of the strongest people in the world. Sounds egotistical, but that's just what it is. Right. And. Um, you see all these wonders coming up all the time. It's like, Oh my God, they're going to be the next so-and-so the next so-and-so. And I'm like, let's just wait. You know, two years is not a tell of anything because it's really the long-term game that we need to play. And, right. and it's, uh, it, 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 it ain't the, you know, it ain't NASCAR. It doesn't happen at 200 plus miles an hour. Right. Okay. And so, so just, I want to key differentiate because there's a lot of context in my book around appropriate use of the tools and the mythology and the mentality that's, that's, that's put forth, but it's all about understanding like at a base level, what are your values in life and really aligning things appropriately in divesting and pushing stuff out that doesn't align with that. And we get to a point where it doesn't require killing ourselves, beating ourselves to pulp nonstop. And I think sometimes it's a really easy message to glorify. And a lot of people want to grab onto that message um, that it's just got to outwork, got to outwork everybody. Right. And yeah, you do in the right ways. Right. Just like just pushing yourself. You, you will break mentally, <laughs> physically, emotionally, right. all these things you will break and you will not achieve you know, that values in life that you want. Okay. And so I just want to, I just want to throw that out there, you know, based on the, the intro pieces, there's some key differentiators. Yes. There's some very, very big lessons about, you know, uh, work ethic and discipline and all those sorts of things and some tactical things that you can put in place. Um, but I, I really don't like just glorifying 
the grind and work through, through, through every aspect of it. Um, because it, that is not the goal is to, uh, there's just a, it's a danger. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous game to play. We'll put it that way. Right. And so there's, you know, a lot of people that just become very prominent in their fields, but it's a 10 year overnight success. Right. So exactly. And that's it. So yeah, I was like, that's these lifters. And then five years down the road, nobody even remembers their name. They're gone They're whatever. Cause they pushed it too hard, too fast, broke this, broke that, you know, um, and never really, you know, it, the breakdown happened so fast that they never learned the skills to work through those things or overcome those things. Um, and, uh, or you end up with people that are just really lopsided in life. Right. They've one thing, but they've, they're missing a gap of all the other things that really may, would make their complete life, you know? I'm not going to tell anybody how to live or what their values should be or what they should chase. That's on you. And I like asking the questions to help you find out what that is, right. uh, which is a good part of that book is, you know, sending you on that exploration path. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you, tell you what that is, but you see a lot of those people that have tremendous success in one aspect, but everything else has fallen apart. They've given up everything and you do have to give up every, not everything, but you do have to give up things to achieve anything of any level of significance. But there's a lot of things that you can give up that are not really aligned with your, with your values and what you want out of life once you start digging. There's a lot of things that you can cut away that will have no net effect and will only have a positive effect on your life when you start paring shit down. Excuse right. my language. <laughs> no, that's fine. You can cuss <laughs> all you want. So, it's, uh, so, you know, like the binging shows on Netflix, like there's – there's days where you should do that, you know? So like if you're working really hard and you have, you know, so for me, I'm a, a massage therapist and a strength coach. And so, you know, the, between both those things, I'm incredibly busy and I love what I do. So I tend to do it seven days a week, but I'm not grinding. Like you said, I'm not doing, you know, eight hours a day. Like there's some days where I do two hours. There's some days where I do eight hours. There's some days where I do four. And then the days that I do, the days that I have nothing are the days where I want to do nothing sometimes, you know, because I'm trying yep. to keep my strength up. I'm trying to get fitter. I'm trying to do all these different things in between the gaps of me working. And so, you know, if, if you have a Sunday and you've been working hard all week and you have nothing to do on that Sunday, by all means, binge watch stranger things. But if you're, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk calls it the time audit. Like, what are you really doing? You know, if you're, if you're yeah. not as successful as you want to be, what can you cut out and what can you put in that will get you to where you want to go? Yeah. Um, so then, you know, I come from, um, I started CrossFit in, uh, 2010 and then right around, uh, 2015 is when I graduated massage school and really started to, um, uh, start educating myself. Like once you get out of school is when you start to educate yourself. Right. So, um, I started, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, I, I, uh, started looking into, um, all this different stuff because I noticed that, you know, there wasn't, I wasn't, there was a lot of, of movement and, and stability and strength that I was leaving on the table because I was only doing CrossFit stuff. So that's when I started to explore new things. And that's when I discovered like the, the DNS courses. And, um, 
that's, I started taking those. Those were like some of the first uh, courses that I took. And then, you know, I'm the type of obsessive personality where I just want to learn everything about whatever I'm doing. And so I started uh, Googling uh, the DNS stuff. And then that's when your podcast came up. And it's, it's funny because the, the first podcast of yours that I listened to was with uh, Dr. Philip Snell. And that was, okay. the, yep. yep. So that was like December of 2015. And I signed up for uh, DNS exercise three in Portland that was happening in January. So I'm listening to um, Dr. Snell talk about the, he calls it yap at the time, which is yank away pain, but now they call it the and dermal traction method. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And so I was listening to this guy and I'm like, this is exactly what cupping therapy is. It's the same concept. It, it is. No, it is. Yeah. The, it is the same concept. It's right. different tools and different approach to work that same peripheral neural system. Right. And right. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. uh, I, I'm sure you're going somewhere. I'll quit interrupting here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. And so, um, so then here I listened to that whole podcast and I listened to it probably three times because that's one of those things that you learn that you're like, hold on, I've been taught all this all wrong. And then you're trying to, you know, figure it all out in your head. But then I get an email from Dr. Snell and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's hosting <laughs> the DNS course that I'm taking. So I get to talk to him about it, you know? Um, so my whole point that I'm trying to make is that's how I discovered you and that's how I discovered Kabuki strength. But that's also how I discovered that you are, um, really well versed in the, the dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. So let's talk about how you integrate that into your training. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think uh, DNS has uh, kind of opened up a little bit more to weightlifting. Yeah. Obviously you've been through the courses. They still have today. I, you know, I've, I've, I've sat through or dropped into some more recent ones and they still have the, the same basic slide uh, slides in a lot of them um, that they use in their curriculum. And there's actually a lot of anti weightlifting stuff. I'm not sure how much there was as far as like statements and things like that when you were going through it. Um, but a lot of times they use weightlifting as the bad example. And, uh, uh, but I think that shift is, uh, starting to happen. Mostly I've, I've met most all the, the DNS instructors that come to the U S and gotten a lot of people into DNS. So, uh, I think that that's probably helped uh, shift it a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, so the problem with DNS or not problem with it, but it's, it's taught by a lot of really highly intelligent people, right? Yes. Um, and sometimes when you're talking to people at that level, they have trouble simplifying it down into, here's what you need to do when you walk in to your practice or your weight room or whatever, Monday morning, right. tomorrow, when you're yep. done with this, right? Yep. And it takes, honestly, it takes a lot of people, you know, clinical folks, smart people, years to really, really grasp what, you know, how to actually effectively implement DNS, right? Yeah. I'm sure you've kind of experienced that too, right? Yeah. And so uh, a lot of work that we do is, is really trying to simplify it down into easy to teach steps uh, that we can focus on that we can see what's going on, we can see those breakdowns, and that we can transfer to another person who can transfer to somebody else very rapidly. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, when we're lifting weights, there's some unique things that happen. You reach failure point. Yep. We're not doing a DNS body weight thing that you've got to have this ultra level, high level of nuance of 
you know, of detail to see if we've got activity in the right area and relaxation in the right area. Uh, but fundamentally, DNS is developmental kinesiology, right? right? So it's really base level patterns that we all learn, uh, unless there's some sort of developmental neurological issue. Um, but 99.99% of us walk through this process uh, uh, through our, the newborn you know, time frame, that first nine months of development is a specific set of patterns of how we learn to move, how we learn to stabilize. And so DNS is a philosophy of how to get us back into those pattern, into those positions and kind of hitting the reset button on the body. Right. Okay. So that, so that, Hey, these, you know, this, this knee pain that's caused by, you know, trying to stabilize the wrong way basically shuts down because we had maybe a left oblique that wasn't firing and working well with the QL and so as, and so on. It's, if we start trying to attach it muscle by muscle, it gets like a very, very, very complex thing to, to try to fix. But if we can attack it from a pattern and basically hit the reset button because the body knows how it's supposed to work. So we get back into these patterns that we learned into learn. And so what we try to do is now convert that over into the, you know, the, the base level positions that we're in and fundamental movement patterns, squatting, picking things up and pushing things away from us. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pulling things towards us is another important one, but we don't dress that as much. It's still covered, you know, in essence in our, uh, in our curriculum and um, putting it down into, you know, those steps because we look at it from a, so DNS is where we start with. So we start with what has the most global impact. Right. And that's going to be our ability to stabilize our spine. So spine position has to come into position play because if we don't have alignment of, you know, the pelvic floor to the diaphragm, we're never going to get that sort of stuff. Right. Right. Uh, but I can't start working on ankle problems, knee problems, shoulder problems. If I don't address that stuff first, right. You know, if, if I, if I'm in an extended pattern, uh, it hugely affects my shoulder. Like I can't just go independently work that stuff. So that has the biggest global effect. So we really start with, with the DNS principles there because they're really great at being able to see and make sure that we've got true intra-abdominal stabilization. Right. And I think even in people that have been through like even the, the higher level DNS courses still maybe don't quite get it when I, when I start working with people. Yeah. And it's really, really simple. You know, it's a matter of you talk bracing to people, especially in the strength training world. And they're like, yeah, no, I know that. You crank down hard. You flex the abs. I'm like, no, 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 that's, yeah. that's, that's not it. So, yeah. yeah, maybe it's bracing. But what we want to do is actually create effective intra-abdominal pressurization, right. which is using the diaphragm to eccentrically load uh, 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 our abdominal cavity. So eccentrically load means that entire outer sheath of musculature that surrounds our abdominal cavity, you know, obliques, uh, rectus, TVA, uh, uh, thoracolumbar musculature, all that stuff that surrounds that all the way around, through the back, everywhere, okay? Right. As that's, that's a big, you know, expandable balloon. And we're gonna use the diaphragm to push it outwards, okay? All the way around evenly. That's it. And so people want to start getting too complicated, too many cues, too many, like, uh, what about, 
you know, the Valsalva maneuver. And I'm like, well, if you get this, the pelvic floor is going to respond appropriately. Like we, it's the least amount of things that we need to focus on to, to be able to accomplish it. And then like, okay, now how do we overlay a brace over the top? Because obviously if you've got, you know, a tighter outer structure, you're going to create more IAP. That's why we wear belt and lifting and things like that. Right. But here, here's, the, here's the simple thing that people miss all the time. Put a thousand pounds on your back. You don't have to think about that stuff. It happens. Yeah. Somebody's going to punch you. You're going to throw a punch. Right. It happens. This is, it's a responsive nature. We don't actually have to try to do it. Yeah. So, so we never actually have to think about bracing. The bracing part is going to happen as a natural reaction to whatever load that we apply. Okay. Right. So, so if we can get the diaphragm and pelvic floor aligned, and we can descend that diaphragm and effectively push out and eccentrically load all that, all the other stuff is going to happen. Right. And so it's, so there's a lot of, you've been through DNS. There's a lot of nuance to, to what I just went through right. uh, to be able to know how to actually cue and poke and prod and see where that's happening and see, you know, see, you know, to see the lack of activity or lack of uh, where we're effectively doing that uh, breathing patterns. We don't dive into as much anymore. It's a base thing. We review the concepts. Um, obviously, if you've got breathing dysfunction, you're not using the diaphragm for one of its, you know, one of the three things it does. Right. One respiration, one stabilization. The, uh, the last one's the sphincter. Yeah, don't right. take a big crap in the middle of your training. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's always a bad thing, yeah. <laughs> So, so if you're not using it effectively for one, it's not going to work as well for the others. And obviously there's this, you know, the stress response and all that stuff from broken breathing patterns all has a systematic effect. So breathing obviously is number one before you ever get to, to here, but it's not something that we're practicing breathing in the weight room. Right. That's homework for you to go home and let's work on your diaphragmatic breathing patterns, you know, yep. you know, take 20 conscious breaths, you know, a couple times a day. Okay. Be aware of what that wave feels like, where the expansion comes from, all the, you know. Uh, but we try to break that down into those fashions. So number one, that then we move to the foot next. The foot has the, the next highest level of global impact. Right. I and love the foot. That's my favorite thing right now. Yep. Yeah, we have so much. We've got, uh, we've actually got a couple more podcasts dropping. I think another one uh, uh, here uh, pr coming up pretty soon. Uh, with uh, Dr. Ray of uh, Northwest Foot and Ankle. He does a yeah. tremendous job of covering a lot of concepts. Um, the Foot Collective has been on our podcast. Uh, yeah. Bunch of, yeah, we've, we've covered feet extensively because it's, well, one, there's a lot of problems with feet. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we don't use them. <laughs> it's shoes. Nobody knows how to use our foot. And, uh, yeah. so, and so we're always trying to engineer more and more band-aids for an incorrectly designed shoe. And we never actually fix the freaking problem with the shoe. Yeah. There's actually a lot of people getting into the game now. Uh, constant, constant question I get is how, how, how do I fix my flat arches? You don't fix the flat arch. That's just your arch. Okay. And just make your fucking okay. foot stronger. That's all you need just to do. make your foot stronger. You can learn how to operate it. Make sure we've got control. Uh, you know, make sure you got some good spread on the feet because it's usually compacted, compacted uh, from the, sh the footwear that we wear. Uh, but a lot of, oh man, and you walk into the gym, everybody, everybody's got a dorsiflexion problem, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> got to fix it. my dorsiflexion. I'm like, okay, let's take a step back. 
All right. This gets back into DNS type concepts, right? So why would our ankle be lacking mobility? Because there's no strength in the foot. There's no strength in the foot. Right. The body's trying to protect. Like people miss, like squatting doesn't make your hips tight. Squatting like shit makes your hips tight, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, like there, there's no, there's no. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm in my mid four. I'm in my mid forties. I'm yeah. 270, 275 pounds. Uh, one of the strongest strength athletes in the world. I don't do any stretching. Right. People are like you're probably bound up, and I can get down and do close to the splits. Yeah. Watch my squats. They're right. really well executed. Well, like, yeah, so, it just that the stuff doesn't just happen. It's a reaction. So anyway. So now we're going to take what now we're going to mobilize our ankle. Now what are we doing? We're stacking mobility on top of weakness. Right. That is the recipe for disaster. Why do you keep having to fix your dorsiflexion? Because you never fixed your weak foot. Your body's just doing its job. It's trying to protect. It's trying to protect you in the only way it knows how. Limiting the mobility around the joint that has a weak platform to work off of. Simple right. concepts. Basic neurology. Um, you know, we build the same things into engineered solutions and into vehicles, into like all sorts of things where we reduce output, we do, you know, like all these sorts of things when, when the system is compromised. Right. It's so, basic problems, basic. And uh, anyway, so uh, then we start like diving into, so this is our priority system. I'm not sure why I'm decided to explain it, but I am. So, yeah, uh, good. so <laughs> uh, then we actually start looking at the power generators, the hip and the shoulder complex after that. Right. And uh, really don't do a whole lot with any of the output joints, which would be knees, elbows, all that sort of stuff. Unless you've endured like direct, you know, impact or trauma to, to an area I- issues in those areas are driven from those other functions. Right. Okay. Yep. And so, so we, we don't really dive into those so much. Um, you know, obviously we, we've got all the tools and techniques in our, uh, you know, in our approach, um, to resolving issues there, you know, triage, whatever, like, yeah, if you've got some issues, you know, in your forearm, we got tools and we got, you know, techniques to work through it as a massage therapist. I'm sure you do the same thing. Yep. We shouldn't be doing the same, like, I got to clean up those forearms every day for the next nine months. No, <laughs> I got to foam roll that IT band every day before I squat for the next three years. What you see everybody doing, like oh, you don't have an IT you. problem. You don't have an ID pan problem. You got a squat problem, buddy. Yeah. Your, <laughs> I, your, your IT band is tight for a reason. That's what I tell people. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the foot thing was really fun because, you know, I learned, that's when I got my first aha moment with the foot was uh, functional range conditioning. And I took that with uh, Dr. Spina and yeah, he's a, uh, I think he's actually right up here in Tigard. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. And so he, uh, and this was, we were at uh, Exos down in Phoenix and there was 80 people in the class. And so we were going through all the controlled articular rotations from the neck all the way down. And when he gets to the foot, he was like, this is what you do with your foot. And we all watched him. And then he's like, now you try. And we all just stared at our foot. And he was like, so if you're staring at your foot, like it's an alien attached to your leg, then you don't have a foot. And we're like, really? And he's like, yeah. How often do you use your feet? And we're like, oh, kind of a lot. And he's like, yeah, that's important. That's important stuff. So then I started, 
you know, working on my foot obsessively to where people were like, are you okay? Cause I'm just standing around <laughs> staring at my foot, trying to make it work. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of footless work. Like I, I'm anybody that follows me knows I'm pretty much barefoot and have yeah. been for quite some time. Yeah. And all my training, hundred percent barefoot. I use that as the flat arch example too. Right. Cause I got flat arches and you can watch me squat 800 pounds, 900 pounds year over year over year and never see any deviation in what we call our ankle stack. That's right. what we're concerned with. Our ability to control and stack the, the, the ankle over the top of the foot. Okay. Yep. And maintain the position, not break. Uh, and, uh, you'll see that it just never happens. So. Right. And so that's uh, the foot is 25% of our sensory input. And so when that thing starts to feel forced, then it starts to prepare you for that load. And then that goes, translates all the way up into your hips and then into your core, you know, pelvic floor, all that kind of stuff. And so that's where like the, the DNS concepts come in. So it's like one of those things where every time I learn something, I try to simplify it so I can explain it to my clients and my athletes on why I'm doing that for them. And so like the DNS, what I really took away from the DNS was the concept of ipsilateral and contralateral stabilization. And they, they really explained the bracing really well. And so, you know, that was one of the DNS exercise one that I took. I was like, Oh, that's why we wear weight belts. It's because it's something to neurologically push into because if you yep. if you give yourself yeah it actually input, people ask like motor output yeah people are like some people are obsessed with a uh, 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 PR beltless PRs I'm like well yeah that's all fine and good you know you can do training if I'm gonna push I'm not like it's not like the belt is doing any work for me the belt is actually they're like well if I don't compete should I wear a belt I'm like it, it it's an it depends situation right. but the belt does actually provide you something to push it can be a great teaching tool we saw you should check out the the breath belt yeah. uh, on our website so um it's a expandable belt yeah so not a supportive belt and it's got little pockets so you can drop uh little balls in there to like cue a psoas release or into the obliques if you want um i rarely use that but i use that the breath belt all the way up into like the very heavy heavy sessions of my training right because it's not giving me any support, but it improves my patterns. It's a nice sensory feedback that, that stimulates those things to happen. Yeah. And it's uh, it, a great product. Yeah. All my, all my clients work out barefoot too, because it's just so important. And we have such a flawed narrative on the foot in the world today. So like, you know, one of my, uh, uh, my colleague that I work with, one of his clients came in and he had Achilles tendon pain. And so his doctor told him to get shoes that have a higher heel. And then they started to, Oh God, I know. And then they, and he has like those, those Hoka shoes, you know, this, like, what's the problem with my low back? Well, you're wearing Hoka. So yeah. that's your problem. And so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, uh, and then they put him in a boot and immobilized it and oh God, it drives me crazy. But then it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm a massage therapist that read a few books and listened to a few podcasts. And I know this, like, how come a doctor doesn't know this? It just, it, a lot of times it gives me um, like imposter syndrome almost. Well, that's why I love the, uh, the, 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 the podcast with uh, Dr. Ray that we just did because he started as an orthopedist. Uh, well, I guess he still is. But, uh, it, it, you know, he started down this path and he, start, he had foot problems himself. And he starts asking, uh, you know, he's like sending people and they're doing surgeries, basically cutting off, you know, the adductor 
for the big toe to correct, you know, you know, uh, bunions on the foot and stuff like that, you know, all surgery. And he's like, he has the same thing. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Why? Like physical therapy is able to like fix this on other joints and other problems. Why are we, why are we detaching muscles? Why are we like, is there another way? Like, and that started his path on this journey and started questioning this stuff. And it's like, finally you start like reading enough and learning enough. It's like, Oh, this whole thing around like orthotics that's like taught and pushed. This is they're trained. You come out of school and you actually think that there's research behind this stuff. There it, there's no supportive evidence that yeah. orthotics do anything in a long-term effect other than a short-term relief uh, over a couple month period of time of maybe, but beyond that, the meta analysis clearly shows, but they're, they're taught and programmed that that is the fix and solution. Yeah. There it's, is no scientific support of it at all. And it, it's in our schooling system. I know. Right? Go, go walk in rocks. It's way better. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's way better. And so um, then going back to like the nervous system stuff, you know, like the, because you mentioned the nervous system, the, the fight or flight or the rest and digest. And, you know, that's uh, something that I teach in my education course is, you know, the nervous system is inherently complex. Um, but it can be simplified because it has two inputs. It it receives and then it responds. And those responses are either safe or unsafe. And so what I teach uh, my people is to when you look at an ankle problem or a hip problem or a low back problem, whatever it is, ask yourself, why is this unsafe? Is it a mobility issue? Is it a stability issue? Is it a strength issue? Because once you kind of boil it down, it's all the same thing. You know, like the, the stability issue is because it's not strong. The mobility issue is because it's not strong. So if you make it stronger, then you'll have more mobility and you'll have more stability. Absolutely. And so that's just, it's, you know, we try to make everything so complex. It's really weird. So, and you know, this is from like coaching CrossFit so much, like, you know, if you have a, like a five-year-old walk into the gym and you're like, Hey, climb that rope. He's like, okay. And then he just climbs the rope. But if you have an adult climb the rope, they're like, hold on, what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my feet? Well, you grab the rope and then you wrap it around your feet and then you climb up that thing. You know what I mean? Or just like even something as, as simple as like a deadlift, like, well, how do I pick it up? Well, bend down, yep. create tension and pick it up off the ground. And if you can't, then you won't. And it's like this weird magical thing, you know what I mean? But you can talk yourself out of doing anything, which then brings me back to what we were talking about before is like the whole mindset behind everything that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's, well, it's interesting because if you've grown up that way with the lack of activity, the lack of movement, the lack of being aware of your body, um, just like your foot, you know, problem in the FRC course. Yeah it takes work to actually get back to these like really basic things mm -hmm. that should be natural and just happen, but they can right. be, you just got to have confidence. And, uh, God, I see that all the time in the gym too, uh, particularly around like pain management. Yeah. So, uh, people forget that like pain is, it's just a signal telling you that something's wrong and you need to deal with it. Um, but there's so many people that will just be traumatized by pain like, oh my God, I have to quit lifting. I need to take the next month off. I need to, blah, blah, you know, like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Right. You had some pain. You need to figure out why. There's no reason. Like, 
that one, you can't even finish that you, you that you should even stop your training session today. Right. Like, Oh, is there other movements that I can pick up? Can right. I modify what I'm doing? What's wrong, you know, with my movement? Can I cue and fix it and correct it right now? Um, you know, there, there's just, I see this all the time as a strength coach yeah. um, where we literally have to talk like they're like, Oh, I need to, I need to, I need to see a doctor. I need like, maybe you do, but we don't know that yet. Like right. it's just a signal and maybe we'll make it go away. Like it, it, it's like, I, I do like obviously to get to the level that I'm at, you know, this is stuff I have to deal with all the time. Right. Like I've had my, you know, so many basically career ending, you know, injuries. Right. right. I had to learn to walk again. Yeah. But I've had to like, you know, stuff that people like, and I'm like, no, I, I'm going to do that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting pushed away around right now. Um, I, my foot doesn't work. I'm numb from, you know, my, my, my femur down to my foot. Like uh, I've got nerve damage. Yeah. I, in a couple months, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to work through this. It's all a process. I'm going to get there. I'm going to de deal with this. Um, like how many people they tell, Oh, you know, I'd be at your level, but you know, I, I, you know, I herniated my disc, you know, when I was, you know, 21 deadlift and I'm like, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I herniated my disc. That was before all my major lifts. Yeah. Like that was a, that's a history. The body heals itself. I learned what I did wrong <laughs> and right. I don't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> I break down onto that stuff. Yeah. It'll come back right quick. Right. But that's a, that's also another thing is the patience, right? So, oh yeah. And that's kind of the mindset that I'm alluding to is a, you know, I was listening to another podcast with you on it and, you know, just talking about how long you've been lifting for, which is really interesting. And so, you know, coming from the CrossFit space, like people are just like, there's so much anxiety behind it. They're, they get in there, they see what these high level athletes are doing. They're like, shit, I need to clean jerk 375 pounds. And you're like, well, how are you, did you, do you have any athletic background? No. So no football, no wrestling, no nothing. No. Well, then you're probably never going to clean and jerk 375. Like it's, it's just the, not going to happen. Yeah. Right. So, you know, cause you, you started lifting, um, in high school, right? So when you guys finally, um, middle school, yeah. 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 So you just bought weights in the backyard and, and so that was had three decades ago. So then you're strong guy now, <laughs> you know, it takes a long time. And so that's, it does. Yeah. And so I, 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 got a, I got a funny story. This was, uh, well, this is like five or six years ago. Yeah. It must be from the timeline from the story, but, uh, we were hosting a meet here and, uh, there was uh, some new CrossFit gym owner that was competing and uh, you know, he didn't know my background or anything. He just saw my lifts that day and he's like, wow, you're really strong. He's like, you must be lifting a long time. How long you been lifting? I said, about, you know, about 25 years. He's like, wow, five years. That's a long time. And I'm like five, no, no, 25 years. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> You're not even anywhere close, <laughs> but it showed like, that's where he heard it and he, you know, heard what he wanted to hear. And, uh, uh, you know, cause he'd been training for two or three years, got himself a cert and opened a little box and, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like my uh, five years, five years background. No, no, no. 
Well, it takes yeah, a long time. It, it does. And so, you know, the, one of my favorite FRC quotes is change in tissues equals force over time. And so it's all, you know, an efficient application of force based off of what your capabilities are at the moment. And so, you know, like it took me eight years to work from a 275 deadlift to a 500 pound deadlift. And that's pretty good. You know, that's a well above average for the majority of the human race. But like right now I'm a 240 pound man and a 500 pound deadlift isn't that heavy if I'm going into a powerlifting competition with people that are my weight class, you know? So, but and it just gets slower. It just right. gets slower. Right. I did a, uh, a post, uh, you know, recent, a few years back, I was uh, talking about, no, the first time I deadlifted or squatted 800 pounds. Yeah. This date. And 10 years later, I was able to get 800 for five reps. Right. 10. That's pretty good. Ten, that took me 10 years. <laughs> 10 but, years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and <laughs> yeah, so that's like, God, it's, it's so, it's such an important message. But I, I, like I said, I've been at it 30 years. Like it's, the progress is a way, way slower. Right. Uh, like people are like, oh, I'm going to put on like 10 pounds of mass this year. And I'm like, yeah, nah. I'll finish. It's like, it'd take me so long to put on 10 pounds of pure muscle. I can manipulate my body weight up and down. Like right. that has nothing to do with pure muscle mass. Like right. <laughs> body weight in, is a funny thing. But that goes, that goes to business too. Right. So um, yep. like I've been a, a massage therapist for, and a strength coach for four years. Um, and the first three years I spent just educating my ever loving ass off, just every, everything that I could take and uh, getting all the information that I could so that I could fill those gaps. So they had, you know, cause everybody that comes in has just a myriad of different things that they need in order to get them on the path that they want to go. And I, I am one of those people that can't stand having gaps in my knowledge where I can't help these people the best way that I can. And so I had a, a, a massage therapist who is uh, just graduated and was looking at my website and said, Hey, your philosophy is really good. Are you hiring? And I'm like, I actually kind of just started out. Like I'm just starting, you know, like I don't really, <laughs> I kind of just starting to figure out the flow of going from body work into training and then back and figuring out my own unique spin on things. Like I'm still just figuring this out. Like do you probably, you know, it, I understand that I've been in for four years, but that's just starting out. Like, so call me in 10 years and I'll probably have a job for you yeah. because then I'll probably be at the point where I can finally hire somebody. And so, you know, cause you look at um, yourself with uh, Kabuki strength, like everybody looks at it. Well, he's really successful, but how long ago did you start Kabuki strength? So I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to dive back to the questions I get actually, because yep. I'll get the, the recent physical therapy graduate or exercise science or whatever. And they'll message me, of course, on social media, you know, not, right. I'll take the time to actually find your email and email you. Right. Uh, but uh, it'll be, Hey, you know, I, I'd like to be an online coach like you guys are doing. Uh, you know, how do I go about like building a platform? You know, is it, you know, you know, blogging, social media, writing articles, what's the best way, you know, for me to get started with my business and get it growing. And I'm like, you just graduated <laughs> your exercise science degree. Yeah. I think you should go get a job at 24 hour fitness as a trainer. Right. Like what? I, that's not what I want to do. I'm like, you got to put in your time and actually learn how to coach people. 
like for a long, you, you've got, you've got to put your time in, in the trenches. You can't jump to some sort of online models or any of this other stuff. If you don't know basic fundamental stuff of like how to, how to motivate people, how to work with different queuing mechanisms, communication, like all this, like fundamental stuff they didn't teach you in school. Right. Okay. I said, so I want you to know that I was training and, you know, for 10 years before I started coaching people, I was coaching people and training for 20 years before I wrote my first, before I published my first article. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it was 25 years before I actually started a business. Right. So now I've owned the gym on the side for uh, back since the early 2000s. Yeah. In the side of, on the side of my past executive career because I wanted to have the best pace, place possible to train and that's where I coach people at and did all that stuff too on yeah. the side long before Kabuki Strength got started. So I was right. 25 years in of developing my, my education. So you're saying, oh, you're well-versed. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well-versed in a lot of stuff. I mean, we lecture at physical therapy colleges, chiropractic colleges, uh, Swiss Society for Internet... We go in and do private seminars for, you know, uh, the top MLB teams and NFL teams working with their staff, the best of the best in the world. Like we're pretty well versed. We know our stuff, right. but there's, it's decades and decades of experience leading into that, you right. know? And, and so, then when we hire people, they specialize in specific areas so that they can advance their knowledge really farly and much further you know, I've got a pretty good general scope of things, but my staff is like way better at very specific. If I want to go soft tissue work, I'm going to go to my LMT on staff that knows DNS, knows Rolfing, knows our tools, has worked with, you know, Donnie Thompson, has done all the, like, and they're going to school me. Right. <laughs> okay. We want to talk pain management. I'm going to go to my, head, my director of education. I, we want, you know, like <laughs> all this stuff. They're way smarter than me. Right. Um, but I've allowed them the space to be able to specialize in specific areas. And then as a team, we're, you know, incredibly competent. So. Right. And so I started uh, my quote-unquote athletic career back in 2005 uh, in mixed martial arts. And, you know, just coaching boxing is shows you how important the the nuances of movement are because – 30 different people are going to learn 30 different ways to throw a jab and not everybody's going to understand it the same way. But it's like one of the most simple movements on earth. You just stick your forward hand back and forth as fast as you can. That's what a jab is. It's, there's no power behind it. It's a distance measuring. And, but the same thing like translates to deadlifts. Like if you, if I explain the deadlift to you and you're in my class, the person next to you is going to need a whole slew of different cues for the same movement and so yeah. on and so forth. And you can't just, you know, get, you can't get that experience just out of college and just because. Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta spend the time doing it, man. Right. I, so, I always, I always uh, try to, to get people tell them, you know, unless somebody is like really competent with working with athletes uh, with their practice, you, you need to find somebody that is an athlete in their background or wherever, if you're trying to find, you know, someone new, um, because otherwise they don't have that same platform and same communication, but like, you've got to, you've got to spend your time in the trenches learning this stuff. There's right. no classes for this. The class is life, man. Right. And so, you know, there's a bunch of, uh, 
CrossFit athletes that would come up to me, hey, how'd you get that heavier snatch? And I said, well, I snatched 95 pounds, you know, a lot over the course of a three-month period. That's what I did. Well, what does that mean? So that means that, you know, my, my overhead squat was substantially higher than my snatch and my, you know, snatch group deadlift was substantially higher than my snatch and my snatch pulls were substantially higher than my snatch, which means that I had a technique issue. And so I spent three months trying to iron out that technique issue, lifting 95 pounds, which is an easy weight for me, 50 to a hundred times a week. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, okay. So you know what I mean? You're not going to have a better snack. You've, pro- you've identified your problem to being able to fix it. <laughs> right. So if you don't, if you don't want to do that, then you're just going to have, you're going to plateau on stuff. You got to figure out like the little nuances of every movement as it pertains to your body and your body type and, and work really hard to figure that stuff out. And it's, it's the, the lack of patience nowadays, I think, is just so detrimental to everybody's progress in just about everything. Well, and here's, here's, a, here's a big one, uh, particularly in CrossFit, uh, a lot with young female powerlifters is getting these people without the athletic background, right? Yeah. So you start lifting heavy. Um, there's actually a process that happens uh, within the spine um, or the vertebrae supporting, you know, that system. Um, and it's really inside that, that vertebrae, we start fracturing it and it starts building, you know, a lot more, I I can't think of the term for it, but there's a lot of additional lay down of structural components that happen in there and they strengthen that vertebrae. And so the disc sits on that vertebrae, on that vertebrae. If that process doesn't happen and this takes about three years to happen. Yeah. And so if that doesn't happen, it will actually start breaking down if the loads are too much. And now the disc is sitting in a manner that's not aligned with the top. And that allows for one disc issues, but you've also got now got, this isn't a problem. The disc can heal itself, but that, that, that vertebrae can't heal itself. So that disc is always going to be in some sort of compromised position uh, from that. So we see these people that are progressing super fast over a short period of time because they want to hit this number, chase this record, do whatever. And, you know, in a year's time frame, they're deadlifting, you know, some light females deadlifting, you know, 400 pounds on a regular basis and they fucked up their back. Right. And, and uh, you know, some of these processes, they require patience. Yeah. You know, I, my, the, my, my spine and my bone density are probably nowhere near a normal population. Right. Right. Cause you spend 30 <laughs> years just, building it up. It's not just the, the, the ligaments, the, you know, the attachments, all these sorts of things. And that stuff takes time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's not, you know, the muscle, the muscle's the easier part. Uh, but there's a lot more that goes into it than, than just that. And uh, yeah, patience is required that, but the first three years of athletic development of axial, not just athletic development, but uh, uh, axial loading, so downward loading of the of the spine, uh, is required on a on a regular basis. So you've got to have same same processes for everything. This was an uh, an electrical process that happens uh, 
for laying down that material in the vertebrae, but it's stimulated by, uh, by the training process. And we've got to have that period of stress and a period of rest. And uh, if you want to know the, the specifics of that, you, I think that's covered in uh, Stu McGill's book, The Gift of Injury. Yeah. Uh, uh, he covers that, the processes around that, some of the timing around uh, uh, the rest periods. So. Right. And but so, yeah, it, it just, you can't go too fast. <laughs> right. And so that's the, the, the said principles, specific adaptations to impose demand. That's like what um, Dr. Andrea Ospina talks about all the time. So that's like, he just calls it the stuff. Like you're, it's all just, your body's just composed of stuff and the forces that are presented to it are what creates that stuff. So, you know, the IT band is thicker than your quads because the IT band has to absorb more force. The bones are thicker than the tendons and ligaments because they have to absorb more force. So if you gradually increase your strength over the course of, like you said, three to 10 years, then you're going to build the adequate stuff in order to support that load. And if you don't, then that's when injuries happen. So, you know, it's just, yeah, time. It's just being patient. Um, <laughs> and then, so, you know, another thing that you touched on and uh, we'll finish with this because I don't want to take up all your time um, is, you know, all your injuries. And so what I heard you say that I thought was incredibly important is when you get injured, the, the rate in which you start to do the, the rehab stuff that you normally do just increases substantially. And then that's how you heal yeah. yourself. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, uh, movement is the greatest healer. People right. always want to jump to, you know, some fancy this or that, or, you know, medication, some new modality. I, I use them all. Trust yeah. me. Uh, I throw the kitchen sink at it and, uh, I've got a lot of resources and there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that, that works, uh, but the most effective is just moving and moving well. Right. And uh, yeah, so once I've had an injury, my, train, my, my discipline in training frequency has to increase exponentially during those periods of time. So that means I ramp my training up, and I'll call it training because that's what it is, three to four times a day. Now, those sessions may only last about five minutes. Okay. Cause it's going to be a circuit, you know, and again, when I was working as a corporate executive, I'd do this at my desk. I'd push my chair away. I'd go down into the warehouse or the shop floor out back, find some spot and just do what I needed to do. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to work on good stabilization, all the, all the stuff we just talked about. Yeah. Good foot mechanics, all this, cause we want to cue things to work properly neurologically at the same time. And we really, really, want to focus on the quality of that movement. But you know, if I've got some sort of back or lower extremity problem, it's going to look something like, uh, if I can do a, you know, again, a full body weight squat to a, to a box or something like that. Usually I can't even do that, you know, at early phases, depending on what it is. Um, set of 20 rear leg elevated split squat set of 20, um, you know, uh, might be a bird dog, might be just whatever's going to be, you know, in my game plan, uh, uh, from that, those exercises that I'm going to pick from, um, by the way, plug, uh, www.kabuki.ms an entire, uh, uh, web-based, uh, uh, portal, uh, with hundreds of exercises all in there, uh, corrective movements, all sort of stuff, incredible resource. 
Um, so we've got a lot of this detailed in there, uh, all indexed. But uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to have three or four movements. I'm going to do, uh, you know, three or four sets of 20. Nothing particular around it, but that's enough to get the blood flow and things moving and the neurology firing for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be. And I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing is pushing the edges of pain. So I'm going to go up and explore and find where the edges are, but not go into it. Right. And every day I'm trying to find if that edge has moved a little bit further and then I move a little bit further. Right. You know, if I'm yeah. doing a, if I'm doing, if I'm, you know, maybe I'm start with a wall slide for, for a pec issue or something like that. And then I'm going to start moving towards, you know, some light pressing with a band. Uh, then I might move to a push up, nice close chain movement, but with a, uh, a slingshot to support me. Right. Uh, then I could take the slingshot off and do a full push up. Okay. Now I can put the slingshot back on and start doing a barbell press. And I could like constantly finding where the edges of that and, and moving and moving it a little bit further. We never want to go into that pain area, but when we're finding those limits and pushing it, that's when that's where the money happens. But again, quality of movement is right there at the top priority. Right. We've got to have purpose and intent with everything that we're doing here. And uh, those are two words I just said really fast, but think about those and in depth. Right. And so one of my favorite things is, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, um, if you need to do it fast, then you're skipping through stability and control. And Absolutely. Right. The These are all slow and controlled. Absolutely. Everybody always wants to go too fast. We want to be able to control all the way through the eccentric, concentric phases, anywhere that you want to move fast through, you want to slow it down. Okay. Right. Um, those are the areas that you have problems. That's where the magic's going to happen. Right. You need to feel your body respond to that movement. And so that's how you know where your limit is. Because if you're doing your um, rear foot elevated split squats and you're going down and then you as slow as and controlled as you can, focusing on your foot mechanics and if your knee is wavering in and out or whatever it is, and then you feel that pain, then you're like, okay, that's my spot. And then you, what you're saying is, and then you do your, uh, your split squats above that pain area. And then yep. the next time you do it, you go a little bit under that lower. repetition threshold or right. wherever, wherever you're hitting that threshold at. Right. Yep. yep. And then the more you do it, the more your body's going to respond. And then the faster you're going to heal. Yeah. And people are amazed by the, you know, the, how fast I can return from some of the, you know, catastrophic things. And, you know, with all the stuff that we're talking about here, you'd be like, why is this guy getting hurt? I thought he just said he's the expert on this stuff. Uh, but if you have any inkling of what I do, I'm actually, I actually, I'm okay with it. I push myself to the limits of what the body, the mind and everything's capable of. One is a, just a personal exploration of those things to really show people how far you can go. Yeah. And that's why I have all these un, literally unduplicated feats of strength and endurance out there. Um, yeah. You're welcome to go t take a look at them, but you know, I hold the Guinness world record on some things like this is like, there's crazy things that I do that no one in the world is can't come close to doing. Right. The other is I also encounter a lot of those things that I need to know how to fix or help other people fix. Right. And there's nothing that spurs innovation, like being in a, in, a, in an area where you've got that trauma coming up, those things happening and it's it nobody else has been there 
and right. you've got to figure it out, play with modalities, you know, and, uh, and that, that's why I do what I do is, uh, one is, you know, several different reasons there. Um, but, uh, one is to show people how far what you can actually accomplish is way more than that you think. And the other is to improve our education on this stuff, to demonstrate what we can actually do if we use the tools and modalities correctly. Right. So, and that's how we find our limits is by once we either fail or your body quits. Right. So that's, I mean, and then when you're, so on a rare occasion, something has gone wrong and that's where, you know, the major injuries have happened. So when you, when you're living in that space, a lot of it, most of it, I, I pull off and, but on occasion, something doesn't, you know, uh, when you're you're at your level, when shit goes wrong, it goes crazy. (laughs) So, you know, so like you were talking about doing the, the 880 pounds for every day, uh, deadlift. Yep. And, you know, tear in your hamstring. So a majority of people would be like, well, shit, that's it for me. You know what I mean? But then you rehab yourself and then you're back to it. And so I think that that's a really important message for people is like, just because you hit that roadblock or your speed bump or whatever fail that you hit, then it doesn't mean that it's over. It just means that this is something you have to work on now. Yep. And so that's so important for, that's an important message for, I mean, just owning your own business, like you're going to fail all the time. That's just a, you know, like owning your own business is just literally putting out fires all the time or being stressed out because there's sometimes where like in your case, people are buying a lot of barbells and then sometimes where people aren't buying any. And, you know, like the, you know, especially with like massage therapy, like that's a, that's a thing where that's a luxury for most people. Like I, am fortunate enough to be like a injury and rehab specialist. And so when people come to me, that's when they're hurt. And so they need it, you know, but when they're not hurt, then they don't need me. So then there's some months where I'm like, holy shit, am I going to make bills? And, but you don't just quit. You just keep figuring out what to do next in order to make sure that you have more of a financial cushion to where when the massage therapy business down, your coaching business is up so that you still feel comfortable and safe. Yep. yep. These are list, more than lessons in the gym and training. There are lessons that apply to life, business, relationships, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Thank you so much for the interview. This was really fun. Uh, where can uh, people find you? So main website is kabukistrength.com. K-A-B-U-K-I strength.com. Um, I also have uh, co-founded Barefoot Athletics. So we've been talking about foot. Uh, we have a, a training sock. It's a toe sock, but it has uh, grippers on it. So you can actually have the barefoot experience, uh, in the gym, but not have to worry about, uh, you know, disease and injuries and people yelling at you for being barefoot. Right. Uh, and there'll be more, more things around, uh, foot optimization that come with that company, uh, build fast formula, uh, clinically, uh, sorry, uh, research backed clinically dose supplementation. Uh, it's another one of my companies. Uh, you can find uh, me on Instagram. I'm sure if you just type in my name, it might be the easiest. But yeah. it's Matt underscore scientist underscore Duffin. Uh, the company, uh, you definitely want to uh, check out uh, Kabuki Strength or Kabuki uh, Virtual Coaching. Uh, the coaching account on Instagram is where all our educational content, free educational content goes. Uh, we're on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook as well, but I really don't, 
do anything on Facebook anymore. So I would suggest either Instagram or LinkedIn uh, is the uh, better social media platforms or YouTube. And then your book is available on just about everywhere, Amazon, everywhere? Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, uh, there is uh, actually uh, Audible is doing a really great discount right now or a program. You can get my book for free, for free, along with another book for free. Uh, there's a link on my profile on my Instagram uh, for, that, for that deal. It's really cool. It's obviously advantageous to me if you use the link, um, but uh, that's, uh, uh, that's there. But you can find it on all those sites, paperback, hardcover, and, uh, and audio. So available Perfect. in all those. Perfect. Are there any books that you're reading right now or that you would recommend to people? Uh, at the moment, uh, uh, gosh, I've got way too many things going with uh, those four different businesses right now. Yeah, <laughs> so, there's not actually a lot of reading going on at the moment. I hate to admit, <laughs> but so. the the gift of injury is a really good one that everybody should check out also. Yep. Uh, we've got that on our uh, Kabuki strength too. It's actually one of the cheapest places. I think you can find it in the U S since it's uh, out of Canada. Right. So, yeah. Perfect. All right. Thank you again so much. I appreciate you. All right. Appreciate All right. it. Have a good one. Bye.